Major funding for Entitled Weekend is provided by the Pro Football Writers Association in conjunction with the Mina Kimes Foundation. When your menchies are sworn with people who disagree with you, the Mina Kimes Foundation will protect you with hundreds of men who follow you because you're smart. Yeah, that's it. It's your smarts. Not for any other parts of your body. And by the Corporation for Public Podcasting and listeners like you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Entitled Weekend. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to another, welcome to the fifth installment of Entitled Weekend. Um, the guys are all here, and well, uh, I, I don't know what to say. That Bills win is—it's—I'm—I'm I'm still stirred by that, and I—I—I I, I don't—I don't even know where to start because it was just—it was just a, a cornucopia of things. Like as Dan said before we started, just a lot, and. I'm just so glad that we do a weekend podcast because there's so much to get into over the last three days, just the bullshit that has happened in the media. And so we got a lot to talk about, but first um, the mothership guys dealt with a lot regarding the bills game. So what I think we should do here at entitled weekend is really get into the fact that bills fans are stupid, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, they're just the most, unbelievably uneducated fan i mean i mean when you have in in the afc east you have the patriots i mean and the fan base reflects the team i think i mean make no mistake patriot fans uh especially well at least the ones who don't listen to the entitled podcast network um the rest you they're dumb but the ones who are listening you guys are smart but the rest of the (laughs) afc east fan bases they're just not they're just not smart and Right after the game, all you heard was, and and I and and I posted this picture to uh, one of Dan's tweets. And Dan, I want you to go first with this. Um, it was a whole bunch of what ifs. It was basically uh, Disney Plus if you didn't have Disney Plus, and, and, and just a whole bunch of what ifs. What if? What if Josh Allen completed two passes, more than four passes, or whatever he did? What if? What if the running game was actually good? What if the what if the uh, the Bills' run defense was good? What if the sun was out? What if what if uh, you know no everybody didn't throw dildos on the floor? Just a whole bunch of what ifs. So Dan, talk about all the 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 gaslighting that the Bills fans tried to do right after the game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about defense mechanisms before before the game with the you know, fight or flight, fight or flight. Well, for them, it's really just fright or flight, I guess mm. you know, that works, but it, you know, it, it's immediately downplaying the game. Like you didn't just witness an all time embarrassing effort. I mean, just watching that game, it was just Bill's balls were growing as the game was going. He was just getting so confident that he said, you guys cannot stop this. And why do I need to change anything? And the fact, of course, everyone's going to say, did he trust Mac? 
the wind. Oh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll oh, get into that. In, in, yeah. in, in just a moment, we're going to take a we're okay. going to take a well, segment to talk about that. But I won't ahead. get ahead of myself here. But it's these fans are delusional. And and to your point, Shaq, you got to be an idiot to be a fan of these teams because why would you want to be a fan of any three of the other AFC East teams? I mean. Sure. Buffalo Bills are having their heyday right now. They're jumping through tables, pouring mustard and ketchup at tailgates on old men. Super weird thing. And they they just think they're, you know, the cream of the crop because they had one year. You had one year to enjoy it. And now because it's happening so quick that the Patriots are back. The delusion is that like I said this week, I said the whole Patriots derangement syndrome is now Patriots denial syndrome. Everyone is in pure denial. And what happened after that is a mix of many different things. And we can talk about it more with Mac too, was just watering down everything to the point we, we sound insane. Everyone sounds fucking crazy. Like you're, you're now talking about like, to your point, what if, what if, what if, what if, yeah. You know, if my, my aunt had a dick, she'd be my uncle. Like it's one of those things that's like, what is the point of doing this? Like it's, it's, it's insanity because, you know, one of the tweets, you know, you said, you said, uh, Mina there, um, you know, she's on God. She's she, her tweet, her tweets were bad to begin with because everyone wants to talk about that, which I'm not going to get ahead of it. But she said, when I saw that pass to Diggs that was missed (laughs) and overthrown, she saw God. God. I saw God. And, and it, it's like, you know, she has all these like weird white night media members that are, oh, weird. They're all male come out to defend her about her takes like she's going to virtually suck them off. And then she does the same thing back in a weird it's like reciprocal media 69 on Twitter. Like she's like, oh, yeah, like I have to I have to like, you know, get this guy going. I need to hype up this guy like everyone's their own they're hype men for each other, hype woman, whatever, about their tweets. And and they immediately all come to the defense. It's like a cavalry. It's like as soon as, you know, and perfect example is like when Mike or or any of the of the guys from Entitled Town went after that, it was immediately, oh, all these guys had to come in to protect her. It's like, you know, it's funny people talk about mansplaining. This is like man defending. Why do you feel the need to come in to defend someone? That happens to be female with a terrible take just because she's known to be. Everyone has a dumb tweet once in a while. And we can talk more about this as the this goes. Because, like you said, there's a corner. Code, there's so many dumb tweets this week. It, it was like I, when we said this last week, too. Didn't we say if the Patriots win Monday night, people's brains are going to turn to absolute mush like they're not. They're going to just be like. I think I'm going to tweet out the first thing I think after this game. And that's exactly what happened. People were saying, it, yeah, I can't even get over how, how dumb it was. But, but honestly, like, fuck everybody. Patriots had an all-time classic game plan. And the guys on the mothership said it this week. It was so enjoyable to watch. I mean, I, I had chills watching that game as a former offensive lineman, seeing some of the, the plays chalked up and knowing they could not stop it. I mean, Micah Hyde was terrible. I mean, they, and those guys got so defensive in the post game, but you could just tell. And McDermott was so embarrassed. It was like, 
I think it's hilarious to me that Belichick finds different ways to humiliate AFC East opponents, whether it's run up the score, choose a game plan that's pantsing you in front of the whole country, <laughs> or he, he just, or just a way to just like slowly kill you by death of a thousand paper cuts, whatever it is, he figures out a way to piss you off. And he knows that he's, he's basically just teabagging you the whole game. So that's all I got to say about that. Bill, Bill, uh, and going to Dan's point about offensive line, uh, we had, yes, last week we had the hashtag thick and fat for the entitled town weekend. That's our official title entitled town weekend hashtag, because, uh, we're bringing thick back to football and this game was indicative of that in every single way. There's no ifs, ands, about buts about it. The bills got bullied. They, it's like the, the little brothers that they've always been for 20 years, 32 consecutive rushes. And, and, and I know there's people who are saying, wow, that sounds idiotic. Why would you do something like that? It, and yeah, when you look at the box score, if you see the success of it, I mean, of course, then you switch the narrative and talk about the defense and how embarrassing it was. And yeah, and that's what the question that was asked about from uh, to Micah Hyde from one of the one of Buffalo's reporters. Who apparently, I guess it's their is their Dan Shaughnessy, but nobody nobody's the curly haired boyfriend. But um, I know now some of that blame goes on the players. But like Dan said, that's Sean McDermott. And how do you not make any adjustments to force the Patriots to pass? But they couldn't because the Patriots are simply tougher, stronger, and grittier. And even in in 10 stack boxes, the Patriots were ripping off eight yards, eight yarders. And Brian Baldinger uh, pointed all of that out. Yeah. I mean, I, you can tell I'm chomping at the bit for this. It's mm -hmm. how can we, the entitled weekend podcast, talk about the big game for Unwinu, talk about the importance of the run game, talk about the outside and misdirection runs. We planned this game minus saying some stuff about play action because we didn't recognize how tre treacherous the wind was going to be. Right. But we talked about the keys to this game as four schmoes watching the games at home. Sean McDermott, the Pied Piper of media douche cockery out there telling after the game, let's not give Belichick too much credit. No, no, no. You went and told us how you were going to lay your wife by the fireside when you beat the Patriots last year. And here you are now telling everybody under the sun, let's not give Belichick too much credit. So what are you saying? That you fucking suck as a coach? I mean, Dude, it's this, true. This motherfucker, sorry to cut you off. This motherfucker, by explaining how he didn't get out coached, explained exactly how he got out coached. Correct. Correct. It was that's, fucking amazing. That's exactly what he did. And he made absolutely – the Patriots came out and threw one fucking pass in the first half. And he came out and changed nothing until the fourth quarter when he started sending a linebacker in on an angle. He finally made an adjustment, and it was too late. He thought it was enough. He thought he was just going to wave the magic wand in the fourth quarter, and Josh Allen's arm was going to save him. And in that weather, it wasn't going to. So he just didn't want to bend the knee. He didn't want to call Belichick daddy, which he was. He was the son on he was the son on Monday night. He has to accept that. A good coach like Belichick always owns when he's been sunned by somebody. He will acknowledge when he gets outcoached. Sometimes he acknowledges it when he really wasn't all that outcoached. But he will always take the blame. And especially on games like I'm thinking back to a Saints game number of years ago in the Superdome. Sean Payton owned Belichick that night, and Belichick was the first person to say it. So you've got to own that if you're going to grow as a head coach. If I'm a Bills fan, 
I'm not talking about how the Patriots got lucky in the weather. I'm not talking about how they daddied them on the line or how they didn't plan for Michael on Winyu to play 60% of snaps when we were talking about that as schmoes on a podcast. What instead happens is their players blame the weather conditions because their coach blames the weather conditions and their coach says, let's not give them too much credit because the game just sort of magically didn't go their way. And all of a sudden we're supposed to blame that like the bills are blameless, but the Patriots also didn't get any credit. What that does is that sets you up in a position where your team isn't looking to grow. And he's also sending some shade down at your kick returners and players on your team. And that's going to sour that locker room. I'd be really concerned as a Bills fan, but instead they're crying for a fucking dome. They're crying for Buffalo, Buffalo, tough, rugged, rigid, rugged Buffalo. Jesus, I can't even talk anymore because I'm so fucking pissed at this. That's Buffalo known for their grit, wants a dome. What that's acknowledging, it's waving the white flag and saying, our team is soft. They're all soft. The fans are getting soft. The coach is soft. The players are starting to get soft. And it's all going to trickle down. And that's why they're 7-5 and this year. It's not that they got unlucky. It's not injuries. It's not weather. It's not the magical fucking tooth fairy waving her wand. It's because they got soft. And, and not to just to add on to, to that, just like I was tweeting, Bill's fans want the stadium to resemble themselves by wearing a helmet all the time. That's exactly what they want a dome because they're special. <laughs> they want their stadium to be special to then protect all the, the well at that point, and to your point, Bill, you'll if you get a dome, go ahead, go get a dome. You'll have zero excuses at that point. Zero. Like if you're if you're losing games like you lost that game, oh man, dude, you what's what's the excuse is oh well you know Bill Bill cheated so that I think that's what that would go back to at that point is he must have cheated so it's it's we're in this never ending you know time is a flat circle of of stupidity with the rest of fan bases and it reflects on the coaching to your point it reflects on Sean McDermott it reflects on fan bases like the. The Bucs with Bruce Arians, it reflects on the Steelers with Mike Tomlin and all these jackass coaches that the way they portray themselves, that's exactly how the fan base starts reflecting themselves. And it's, it's ridiculous. I'll just add one more quick point in here. I'm going to lower my rage level to like a four. Um, the weather mitigated the loss of Trey White. It mitigated that loss significantly. And Bills fans aren't acknowledging that they don't know what their past defense is. They don't know yet. They haven't played a game mm-hmm. without Trey White, where they've had more than three passes. So now you don't play you don't know Tampa that next week without Trey White. Right. So guess what? It's not an if for that. It's a when. When somebody throws on you, what is your past defense going to look like? Because you have no clue what that's going to be. And I want you I play want... the box. I want Steve to speak because I feel like I'm, I've been I talking so much. But, but I, I want to point out the Monday night football crew, you know, aside from just blatantly rooting for the Bills throughout the game, especially on, like, the roughing the pass so or the, bad. you know, They're the personal so foul about, you know, Bryant hitting Allens where he, there was no other choice there. Um, and then the fact that when they were talking about the run game, they started talking about how Trey white is pivotal to the run defense as well. And it's so underplayed. And I said, that's a cop-out. That's, that's a total cop-out to what's happening right now is you're mm-hmm. saying they're only successful in the run because Trey white is out, which is 
insanity. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Steve, wait, 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 Steve, I want to talk about the Bills, and I want to go back to what Bill said, because after week seven, when the Buffalo Bills had their bye week, things have really been rocky for them. So they came up, they beat the Dolphins, with, you know, and but that wasn't very impressive. But nope. then there was a Jaguars game, which for some reason, what, during this entire week, Bills fans just wanted to completely ignore that game. No, that didn't happen. That, 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 well, I, feel, happen. I feel like they want to completely ignore a lot of things that go yeah. on. Yeah, and then existence. yeah, then then they beat the Jets. You know, great because everybody does. And then yep. crushed forty-one to fifteen by the Colts. Then uh, the, the Saints. They beat the Saints, who are just absolutely pitiful. And then this game with so, nobody. No, so you know, uh, everybody has rough patches around the NFL, but now they're the seventh seed. And guess who they have to play? And I, you know. <laughs> This is what I live for. I, I have not rooted for Tom Brady and, and Gronkowski because, uh, ever since they left. But I'm full throat and full throttle this Sunday. I cannot wait for this. Uh, this is – I just – I love, love, love the idea that they got to get – see, this is – this is it's beautiful. They got a Belichick master class one week. And now next week they get a Brady master class. Like they're just fucked. Like that has got to that has got to be so mentally fucking exhausting and draining and taxing on the Buffalo fans. I because they, I mean, like you guys all touched on it. They got fucking embarrassed on their home field. Now, I mean, the weather. Shaq, me and you talked about this on my show Sunday. They were telling us the weather was their their advantage before the game. <laughs> right, Dion Dawkins. The weather was their that, fucking right? advantage before the game, and now they want a fucking dome. What? Like I, I thought I was high reading that, like that they actually wanted to get a dome. Then I was like, oh wait, I am high, but that's actually what I'm reading. I <laughs> they, they literally that was. The weather was fucking their advantage before the game. I, and I mean, I swear to God, like I, but that game is like, I, I almost felt like the referees could have thrown a taunting flag on Belichick for how bad he was fucking getting in McDermott's head. Like, I, I, it, it, he humiliated the Bills so bad the other night that I'm literally surprised that the refs didn't throw a taunting penalty on him. Yeah. It, it, they, they, they literally, they, they, they could have thrown a taunting flag on Belichick for what he was doing to McDermott the other night. And that, that's a perfect segue, Steve, because I want to talk about Bill Belichick. What he did, and make no mistake about it, it was genius. Don't tell me, don't tell me it, that it that that game plan was not because he's a student of the game. We all and our mothers watched what the Colts did to the Bills a couple weeks ago. Indy ran 24 straight run plays in that game with Jonathan Taylor. And the Bills, the Bills, you know, they just they wilted like flowers, like dead flowers. So what happens? You go, you kick it up a notch, like Emerald Lagasse used to say, and formulate a game plan that's specifically designed to ram it down their throats. And obviously, oh, and gosh, silly me, 
Belichick had the gall to trust his players. Wow. And he, he, could run, he ran the ball successfully, get ahead, and let his defense do the rest. Um, and it worked. And so now I want to segue that into <laughs> all this talk about Mac Jones and how he's not trusted anymore. Oh my Monday's God. game proves Will Belichick doesn't trust his rookie quarterback. If you find it, I, like it, it, it I'm going to read some of these, some of these tweets and from the aforementioned Mina Kimes, he's having a super solid rookie season. The offensive approach was indicative of how his OC views his throwing ability. Both things can be true. And then you have Nick Wright, that asshole Chiefs fan. If Belichick doesn't trust Mac Jones, then why did he release Cam Newton before the season? And he, uh, here's uh, Nesson. Oh, by the way, Nesson, do you have some agreement with Fox or something? Because all I see is you, re- is you repurposing articles. And Dakota Randall, I'm talking about you. You repurpose articles from Undisputed and these slapdick, stupid first take shows and just make, make mass them as content. It's stupid. Skip Bayless suggests how Bill Belichick was looking at Matt Jones and the way he was looking at him means that that, that means that he wasn't trusting him. And of course, of course, Ralph Wiggum, the dumbest of them all, ben, Mr. Ben Bolin. Oh, God. Instant, instant analysis. Bills stuck to their game, and it led to more mistakes. Pats paid attention to Colts' Bills game. No faith in Mac in tough conditions. <laughs> I, I, I swear. I, I mean, what do you guys think about all this talk about Mac? I want to go first. All right. Because this has been fucking driving me up a fucking wall seeing this. First of all, Shaq, me and you were there. Um, the, the game against the Bucks, pissing rain and wind, yep. one of the highest viewed NFL games that will ever be played, ever, against the reigning Super Bowl champions. <clears throat> the run game wasn't working, and Mac threw the ball forty fucking times. A week before this game, play one of the top defenses in the NFL. The run game wasn't working. Threw the ball 30 times, 300 yards, and two touchdowns. Shut the fuck up. It means he didn't trust his quarterback. No, it means he knew that the Bills would not be able to stop the running game all day long. And he was right. Second of all, we're all fucking worried about what are we going to say? Like I heard someone say, well, I mean, if Brady was still here, they would have thrown more than three passes in that wind. Okay, maybe like later on in Brady's career, but like let's let's compare, let's be fair with the comparison, right? If you want to do that, okay, in 2001, they absolutely fucking would not have thrown the ball more than three times in 50-mile-per-hour winds. They would have handed it to Antoine Smith 35 fucking times. J.R. Redmond. That's it's, they would have done the same thing they just did. In 2003, they might have done the same fucking thing. Like it. That doesn't. And it also gets me to cassette fucking Wikiscan. Oh man! Ended up making a great fucking point. I hated the worst person you know. 
I, I couldn't bring myself to like the tweet. He was he was so right, but I couldn't bring myself to like the tweet. That said so much less about what Bill Belichick thinks about Mac Jones than it does what he thinks about Josh Allen. And all that happened in that game is early on, he said, oh, they're not going to be able to fucking score on me. All right, I don't need to throw it. That's what happened. He watched it, he watched the first few drives and he went, oh, this dude can't get down the fucking field on me anymore. And that's fucking, that, I mean, that's, that, and that's exactly what the, the zero blitz was at the end of the game. He was just like, yeah, Josh Allen can't make the fucking throw. And I don't care if Mina Khan saw God. That, like, you just, that means you're hallucinating. You, you need to stop taking whatever it is you're taking that's making you see God. Oh, and by the way, that, that that's I saw God tweet was in response to Sam fucking Monson from PFF, which, by the way, that's my final thought coming up later. That's my final, like, uh, uh, these these analytic people just, you know, oh, they, they pissed me off. But that was in response to that. And then, uh, Dan, and I'm going to play this, I'm going to play this clip from uh, Chris Long's show when Kyle Van Noy was talking about it, this specifically before I go to you, Dan. But there's this whole thing about oh, Belichick let go of Cam, but, but if he because he, he didn't trust Mac, uh, he does trust Mac. That's exactly why he let him go, <laughs> and it, it it really amazes me. And I want you to hear what players like Cal Van Noy think about Mac Jones and how he's not not only is he performing in the locker room, but he's he's been doing this all year long. Mac said that he does not look at his phone Monday through Friday. 100%. That is Mac Jones. I'm not even shocked. Buddy, buddies, like Chris, when I tell you Buddy loves football and he's like, he's a patriot, that is him. This is so good, dude. I love this kid. Yeah, he. I love him too. Like he, he's good. He's really good. I'm, I've been impressed for being 23 to handle the things he's handled to be respectful to you know get the teammates all like he's cool with all the teammates vets younger guys and just this dude is good yeah and his development the way he wants to work and how attention to detail like you said uh just a moment ago is impressive and he's only going to get better the more he sees it he's like all right i saw Mm -hmm. it like i can diagnose it again i'm good uh, the more he can see reps, the better he's going to be. It's going to be impressive to watch, and I'm very, very happy I'm on his team. That That's it. I mean, that's what matters, is it, does it not? The players trust him. The coaches trust him. And there's no waning in the trust. Just because the game plan changes, and we all know Belichick is a game plan coach, just because the game plan changes doesn't mean the trust wanes. And this whole uh, uh, manner in which – to, to discount that or to take that away. And Jeff Howe had an amazing tweet thread uh, earlier this week about how stupid this whole thing was about, you know, how many runs and how this and how that. It, 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 really, it really bugged me to see that, pe- that people are really trying to, 
when you choose a, 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 four, a rookie quarterback over a former MVP in Cam Newton, um, I think you and you pick them in the fifth in the fifteenth pick in the draft. I think you trust them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, no, no, is definitely this, not. Is this not? Isn't this like? I mean, this this was probably the the longest clip of a Patriots player gushing about Mac, but you've you've heard nothing but this from players all this time. I mean, they. I feel like it's every presser during a game week that they ask what people think about Mac Jones. I mean, this week, Mike Reese asked, what is the first word that comes to mind when you hear the name Mac Jones to Matthew Slater? And he said, special. And this is the kid that I remember during camp was everyone was started to talk about it. Then was he was the first one in he's the last one out. He's watching game tape. Bill talked about it before, you know, they asked him what he was doing over the weekend. He said, I'm probably going to be watching game tape when I'm like in bed, Next to my girlfriend, you know, like I'm gonna be. He eats, drinks. Sleeps. Hey, what? What are you a bragger? What's going on here? <laughs> uh, uh, football <laughs> all the time, and it's like this is and and this is what what I hate about the whole like he's just like Tom Brady. When we say he's just like Tom Brady, yes, there's a certain element of the playing style, but also we're talking about really the mentality and okay. why he was drafted, and I and I think I think that's everyone says Bill had his hands tied and he was forced, he was forced to submit the pick at 15 to Mac Jones. The, the pick at 15 with Mac Jones still on the board was a no brainer. I mean, you're really thinking that Bill is that first of all, dumb or that, you know, stubborn to not draft the best available quarterback, not even just at 15, but in the draft. I mean, this is the guy that everyone was talking up just the week before the draft about uh, going at three or even two. So, it, you know, anyways, it, the kid is all he cares about is one winning, which is great. And two improving. And those are the two biggest factors as the Patriot. And if anything, what that game showed Monday night was the whole do your job mentality. And he did his job to what he was told to do. And that I think, People always say, like, do your job, and they don't understand. It's not just, like, being your position. It's you go into a game, and you have a specific game plan, and you're saying, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to pass it that much, Mac. Like, we'll be honest. Like, maybe tops five times we're going to do it. But you need to have that mentality going in. We're going to do a lot of running, but you got to sell that we could pass, and it's going to be tiring. I think mentally it's exhausting for what he had to do in that game, and I think it's very underrated about that whole – you know, how, how it takes a toll on him. You know, he's probably second guessing every play sometimes, like, but you have to do it. You know, like if you're all in, you're all bought in. And that's how the Patriots have been. That's really their identity since I think like week five has been, we're all in. No one's, there's no egos. One person may be the star of the game, but we're all doing our job in the next game. I might be the star. Of the game. So it's a constant in, and I think Judon's a perfect example of this too. Like Judon absolutely fantastic, but he's also doing his job. And I, I think it was, might've been Baldy or maybe it was Matt Chatham that pointed out this week that there were plays in the game. He was setting up other people because like I said, that was his job. It was, uh, I think it was Dawson Knox at the line, chipped him, nailed him. And he could have easily probably at that point gone in for a sack or tried to, 
but he did exactly what he was told to do. And he didn't have that ego of these sack hunters that are all just looking to just stack the set, the stats, you know, he's looking to, he wants to be part of a winning culture. And yeah, he was a part of that in Baltimore too. Like he comes from a winning culture, but here it's a little bit more, he's even more dialed in. And I think that's everybody. And let's talk about, you know, actually I'm going to save it for my final thought. I'm going to save it for my final thought. I switched it because of recent developments while we've been on this podcast. <laughs> I, must, I must make it my final thought because I am seething right now and I don't want to do it now. But I'll just say that Mac Jones, as a rookie, we're talking about a rookie. And this went, this was before the Bills game, too, about cherry picking plays, about him getting throwing a pick or something like that versus what he is as a rookie. 13 games in, and we're trying to compare him. We talked about this before. When he's bad, you try to say, oh, he's no Tom Brady. But when he's good, you're like, he's no Tom Brady. So you're, you're, just, you're just trying to move the goalposts all the time with Mac Jones. And Mina is the perfect example of that. It's like, and plus she works for ESPN. So at the end of the day, if you work for ESPN, fuck off. Like, just, I, I don't care. Like, you could be a Dan Orlovsky and you could be, uh, I mean, times that, that – Yes, you, you appreciate what the Patriots are doing. But at the end of the day, you have a narrative at ESPN because you're owned by fucking Jets fans to shit on the Patriots or to water down what they're doing. And that's exactly what she did. So she did her assignment. She's probably going to get a nice Christmas bonus. So fuck off. Well, this next, this next part, uh, Bill, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this uh, This Week in NBC Takes Boston because – and, and trigger warning: If you're if you're uh, if if you're triggered by idiot uh, Boston media members who go on uh, television and say stupid stuff, this is not the segment for you. So just you know, just fast forward if that's what you want to do. But I mean, at, right after the game, um, I don't watch this stuff. But thank thank goodness for the person who sent it to Ironhead, the Godfather of the Entitled Podcast Network. Um, Thank goodness for him sending this clip of Tommy Curran, who is, I guess he's looking for his next meal ticket because, you know, Tom Brady's not in Tampa and, you know, his daddy is in San Francisco, probably doing something else. So, you know, he has this take on Mac. I think they played it on the mothership, but I think it's worthy of playing here because it's just so ridiculously stupid. Matt Castle. See you in the locker room with your Mac Jones. Yeah, you won the game, and I understand it's all about everybody questioning the game. How do you feel in the locker room if you only threw the ball one time in the first half, twice in the second half? And I know that everyone's out there saying, well, you won the game. Why would you think anything else? Well, you were a bystander. You were barely utilized in the game. The threat of throwing was all you were there for. So to me, there's, there's that question. And also is the question of everything Bill does has a larger read to it and part of the read I think with this is that look we had the most decorated quarterback of all time and people thought we needed him and we did in a lot of games but in this game our biggest game of the year we didn't even throw it and we won so don't tell me about needing the quarterback first on the Mac thing I know I just went on a tangent there Matthew I apologize Yeah, how did how did Mac feel, Bill? How did how did Mac feel? He, I'm sure, I'm sure he must have felt bad, you know, because he passed three times. I mean, he, 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 you can tell it on his face. Okay, 
I'm I'm gonna try to keep my rage level. I am in very <laughs> rage podcast mode today. People need to understand who Mac Jones is. They need to start realizing that he's telling a story when he is out in public and he's telling you who the fuck he is. So right off jump, he tells Goodell at draft night, this is where I wanted to go. Do you think he said that because he's going to be gunslinging it around the stadium? No, he said it because it's a culture similar to what he was developing in, in Alabama. And it's a culture that he knows he can be successful in and win games. He has grown up in environments about winning games. He I'm sure he would love to be the hero of games. Every player would. Every player dreamed to be in the Super Bowl MVP. Let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. There's the want to be the best. But the best to Mac Jones is getting his team to be successful. So, no, he doesn't give two fucks about one game where he threw three passes because the game plan and the weather called for it. In fact, if you look at his stats, because I've been pulling up this shit while we've been talking on the podcast, he has thrown less than 30 passes only four times this season in four games out of 13. Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick in Jacksonville, who has been trailing more frequently, who has been in a position where they would need to throw more has thrown less than 30 passes four times in 12 games. So tell me about trust. Does Urban Meyer trust Trevor Lawrence? Clearly not, since the same number of games are throwing under 30 passes. You want to see trust in Mac Jones? How about 51 fucking passes against New Orleans? His third professional game. How about 39 passes against Miami in his first professional game? How about 40 passes with 77% completion percentage against Tom fucking Brady? Like, let's call all of the spades a spade here. Mac Jones has shown that he can be successful. Mac Jones has shown everybody that he is a capable quarterback who is improving week by week. He does not need to air it out in the blistering wind in a divisional game where the win matters more than anything else to prove any points. And Tom E. Curran stirring up the drama of, oh, well, Mac must not be happy, doesn't understand how any team operates with any modicum of success. You know who would be sad? Josh Allen, because the Bills are fucking soft. You know who would be sad? You know, I think Tommy would be a little sad. You know, Tommy Brady would be a little sad if he threw it three times because he got mopey about things like that later in his career. I think that any veteran quarterback would, but you know what you can do when you've got a rookie quarterback who's developing, you can get them to buy in in the system. You can get them to understand that the success of the team is their success. And the piece that everybody's missing about this is that everyone starts to wonder about rookies at this time of year. Are their arms going to get tired? They haven't played this many games in a row. And this is a longer season than there's ever been. So when we're at that point, you had him air it out three times, and he gets a bye week. His arm gets two weeks worth of rest except for practice reps. That's a perfect situation. This is Belichick playing a masterpiece. He gets his rookie quarterback a little bit of arm rest at this critical time of year so that they can be ready for the remaining four games, hopefully position themselves to get a bye week when there's only one, and then be in the playoffs. Belichick has been master in this whole thing, and Mac Jones is along for the ride to say, I'm learning from the best. I'm learning from the best head coach. I'm learning from a very gifted offensive coordinator that gets a lot of shit in Josh McDaniels, and he does not care. And the idea that people like Tommy Curran are trying to put that idea into the ether is ridiculous, upsetting, and clearly shows that 
they have not listened to who Mac Jones tells us he is. That's it. Uh, and hey, Steve, we're not done with NBC takes yet because oh, <laughs> here comes the well, the senator. Speaking of generals, the senator Phil Perry chiming in on the, on that uh, not uh, not on the same show, but on a different show about. I know it's thirteen. It's thirteen weeks into Mac Jones's young career, right? But you know what we have to worry about? You know the thing that we have to worry about the most? His contract. Here we go. Listen to this. But I would look at, and you mentioned some of the quarterbacks. You know, Joe Burrow will be a good example to see what Mac Jones might be in line to make down the line. I think the Baker Mayfield is, you know, example is an interesting one right now. I, I don't foresee the Bill or the Browns making him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in football, even though he's not a bad quarterback. He's somewhere right in the middle. He's, he's about league average. To me, it would be fascinating because Bill Belichick, we know, likes to zig when the rest of the league is zagging. If he feels as though the quarterback market has gotten so out of control that every couple years he's going to expend a significant draft pick at that position just to protect himself from having to pay Mac Jones or anybody else $40 million a year because he just doesn't want to operate that way. I'd be fascinated to see if he takes more of a college model where you let your quarterback quote-unquote graduate and then let the younger guy eventually take over because he's cheaper. Did you just say that Bell Belichick in a few years is maybe going to roll the dice and get rid of Mac Jones and bring in a new fresh rookie to maybe take over the reins? Don't Are you out of your out mind, Bill? Don't Are you out, out of your mind? They're going to have to absolutely out. pay Mac Jones. You've got your little window. You're going to be able to build yeah. around him. Because they were so the happy to pay financially... Tom Brady all those years right at the top of the market, right, Matt? Right. Oh, pay but Tom they're going to go back the every two the years. World. They were thrilled every... to do that. That'll create some consistency. That'll create some consistency within the organization with the face of your franchise. Franchises. Let's go out and get a new guy every two years. That'll be helpful. It's That's worked out for call. a lot of franchises, Phil. I agree. It's a, it's a tough call, but it's a bad call. Uh, they're going to pay Mac Jones in a few years. They're probably already talking about financially. If he's the 14th best quarterback right. in the league, Matt, you can't pay him Patrick Mahomes money if he's the 14th or 15th best no, quarterback I'm in not football. Saying I'm sorry. Patrick I know we all feel like I'm not saying he is he's a future money. MVP, but he's not there yet, and we haven't seen that he's going to be there yet. If he gets there eventually and he's carrying your team, Give him everything. But if he's not, you you might have to make a tough decision like the Browns are right now. Well, Bill Belichick well, definitely. That's the discussion. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Oh, look at that. Go ahead, Matt. No, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead, Give him the ball. I was just going to say, no, I, I understand what you're saying. If Mac Jones doesn't perform, obviously you're going to go back into the well and figure out whether or not you're going to get it. But right now, if he's the rookie of the year and then next year they get better, or maybe he goes to the Super Bowl this year, it's inevitable you're going to have to pay him and not go. We're talking about success factor. If he's not successful, obviously you're going to move on as an organization. But if he's successful, Phil, they are absolutely going to keep Mac Jones there. Well, thank God for Matt Castle having some type of sense in, in that whole panel. And then uh, Phil Perry wasn't done. Uh, our, uh, the, God, the Godfather, Ironhead, tweeted, retweeted this video. And then he comes in right in his comments, you know, right in the comments, sliding in, saying, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, saying, do I? I'm pretty sure I said that Belichick would not be willing to pay a quarterback top of the market money if he's not a top of the market quarterback. Well, goddamn, of course he's not. It's 13 games in his freaking career. My goodness. See, this is the problem with 20 having 24-7 sports stations. There's you have to fill up airspace and fill up time, and this is what you get. 
How, how did we get to Mac Jones is going to be looking for Patrick Mahomes money? How how did how did we get there? Like what from the game? And and I hate to bring up that he only threw three passes. How did we get to Mac Jones is going to be asking for Patrick Mahomes money after a game in which he only threw three passes? And what? then and then Phil says, "Oh, about oh, he's not going to pay you any money." Uh, wasn't Drew Bledsoe paid the highest amount of money for a quarterback in NFL history at that time? Yeah. It, it, I, 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 it's I just, yellow I, journalism. It's terrible. I, and he's like, yeah, he's comparing him to the Browns. It's like, yeah, but like the like Matt Castle said, like the Browns haven't had success with Baker Mayfield, really. Like, I don't. It's, it's going to be determining on success. I, I, I can't. I, I can't. I, I can't. It, it's too dumb for me to discuss. Like, I, I am literally not stupid enough to have a conversation about whether or not they are going to re-sign Mac Jones in four years and for how much. Because it's four years from now. Yeah, it, it's so it's so stupid. It's ridiculous. And uh, again, that that's the same network. That's the same network that has Felgren Mass. It's the same network that has Zulak and Bertrand. I'm not going to play the other uh, stupid, idiotic uh, take that Phil Perry had today. That's t- today about well, the Patriots haven't played anyone good because that seems like that's the cas- That's the take of a casual football fan who just looks at the schedule and looks at the team. Though they haven't played a competent passing team. <laughs> I guess I guess Tampa I guess Tampa Bay is doesn't count as that. I guess Dallas doesn't count as that. But oh they lost no, the game. Dallas, so it doesn't Dallas matter. Bad passing offense. Definitely a bad passing yeah. attack. Yeah, I Tampa, believe we played not good. I believe we played three of the top six passing offenses this season. Um and the team that gave the most clear defeat to the Patriots this season, the New Orleans Saints, are twenty-seventh, I believe, in passing offense right now. Um, so I would not be, you know, necessarily chalking up pass yards is like the modicum of like concern there where, you know, we've fared very well against teams that pass the ball. Well, one overtime game very early in the season with a lot of mistakes, the Brady return, and then the Chargers game um, where we had a 10 point lead with a you know minute and a half to go. I mean, it's the passing. There's no evidence that the passing defense is a concern. At all. At all. At all. All right. No, non-existent. Yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for at least the roundup of the Bills game. It was an awesome game. It's going to go down as one of probably the best regular season games, in, at, at least from that perspective, um, in the Bill Belichick era. So I, I loved it. Um, if you didn't like it, well, then maybe you should just watch, I don't know, badminton or something like that so um all right now we're gonna lighten things up because it's just been <laughs> yeah this is, it, it's just been a whirlwind of suckiness and stupidity um but it's probably gonna be more of that because we're gonna try something new since it's the bye week and there's not really much a game to talk about so we're going to be playing a game called pitch by pitch not pitch not that's right. 
good spot or not. So what we're going to do is So what we're going to do is I'm going to give each of you a tweet and it's your job to guess whether it's it's from the any media pitch bot and that's a great account if you're not following it then you're doing it wrong or if it's not and uh, there's no there's no points of all the points don't matter so it's like whose line is it anyway so I'm gonna go with Dan first and here we go all right Patriots are playing well are they peaking too soon is it pitch spot or not Tony Maserati what happened was it Tony Maserati wait so are you saying it's not pitch spot it's not. That's right. It's not. It's actually Adam Jones. Ah, well, you know, wannabe Skeletor Maz, whatever. <laughs> All right, Bill, you're up. I'm going to get this one. Yeah, I'll get this one. Tom Brady might be the greatest of all time, but everyone forgets that Drew Bledsoe saved the 2001 season when he replaced an ineffective Brady in the AFC Championship game and led them to the Super Bowl. Pitch bot or not? Oh, I would really, you know, while my heart tells me that I would hope no one actually had that take, I'm going to say no, it's not pitch bot. <laughs> you said no? No. Nope. Oh, thank God. I'm so happy I'm wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. It's the pit spot. That That's was one of his first tweets. Modicum of faith restored in society this fine day <laughs> by knowing that no one had the low brain cell count to tweet that out in a right. serious way. All right, Steve, you're up. If Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels winds up leaving, then what for Mac Jones? Pitch spot or not? Oh, God. Ah, that's... That is either Ben Volan or Pitchbot. I'm going to say it's Pitchbot. Oh, you say it's Pitchbot. I'm saying Pitchbot. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Does it, oh. do, any, do any of you know who it is? Oh, uh, God. No, I don't know who it is. Who was it? Any, anybody want to take a guess? It's Karen Garrigan of the Boston Herald. Oh, I was going to guess that. I was going to guess Karen. Oh, no. Damn, she's she's so... She's, like, underrated stinks. Like, she's... Right, she's you know, with, under the radar. But, you know, I think we need, like, you know, we need equality, gender equality and suckiness in the media, and she, we need to talk about her more than suckiness. So. The, the, the power rankings, she's underrated in how bad she is, but, like, <laughs> That shows the difference between her and Mina there. Like, she is way better than that. And it's just like, it's in, like, that's where you know that it's the quality of the tweets the person is putting out and not about like gender or opportunity or anything like that. It's Mina, Mina's way at the top of the suck rating. Karen might be underrated, but she's still way better than, than Mina is, even with that terrible take. All right, back to you, Dan. 
All right, here's a tweet. Is it Pittsburgh or not? Is this 10-day break coming at the worst possible time for the Patriots? We examine the downsides of this potential monumentum-killing weekend off. Oh, that's Pitchbot. Yep. That's Pitchbot. Oh, well. Now the sound effects are going off one way. But we yeah, the, it was Pitchbot. We need to put the prices right sound. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, because I, I, I did want that to be a media member. Because at the same time, I was like, that's too concise. That's too well written. So it's got to be Pitchbot. <laughs> Yeah, but it was pitch spot. All right, Bill. Uh, let me see which one I could get. Uh... Oh, oh, this is a good one. Oh, yeah. Here we go. This is a really good one. And it's pretty recent, so it might not be. I knew we were doing this, so I've been <laughs> fading. Pit- I've been, like, not looking at pitch spots. Don't look at just it. That yeah, reason. don't look at it. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I've been, but all week I've been fading his tweets, knowing we were doing this. If Bill Belichick doesn't win a Super Bowl while Mac Jones is on his rookie contract, it would be a failure. I believe that's not Pitchbot. Yep, that's not. Pitch I want. I I want to say that's Breer. Uh, no, he's he's had a great week of suckiness, but it's Is actually that PJ Bean. No. Oh. oh. <laughs> Um, actually, I shouldn't say anything about that. But uh, no, it's actually it's actually um, c- hashtag country ninety three seven. It's W E I. Oh yeah. Okay. Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, I just that's like right. see the thing about them is like I just kind of like see them. They're there, and then yeah, I just no, kind of move on attention. and live my life, and I just forget that even exists. So <laughs> I, I just my life. I just remembered the level of rage that filled me with. So I'd seen that that tweet. That I knew immediately. I'm like, that's not Pitchbot because I'm mad about it. Yeah, I'm, that, that, I'm sure that that the whole segment will reference, you know, maximizing his value or anything like that. But you know, again, Weei, their, their ratings are in the tank. So, all right, Yeehaw, Getty up radio, <laughs> Getty up. All right, last one, Steve. And and we're switching gears a little bit for this one. So. Uh, we're not a Celtics podcast, but um, I'm, I'm certain all of us are Celtics fans. So here we go. Are the Celtics a better team without Jalen Brown? Is it pitch spot or not? It's not. Not pitch spot, you said. It's not. Oh, come on, sound effect. What's going on here? There we go. <laughs> it's not pitch spot. Do you know who it is? I I saw it. I can't I can't place it off the top of my head right now. Was it Nesson? Uh you're close. EI? Oh no, I'm gonna guess based on the conversation with Dan a minute ago. It's DJ Bean. I uh, well it was it was it was be it was Beansy, huh? The old bean flicker. Yep. Yeah, BJ, it's BJ Dean. It's BJ Dean. Can you believe it? <laughs> and yeah, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to subject everybody to NBC takes Boston again. So, but that was actually a question that was asked. So, that's 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 how you know that network is just trash. All right. So that's it. That's how you play pitch spot or not. We're gonna do it again because I'm sure there'll be more. 
but next time I'll have to separate it. And maybe maybe next time we'll do it and we'll just I'll just read it and then we'll just play just guess the mediate. Ooh. <laughs> That'd be solid, but congrats to Dan on winning, you know, the, the most style points there. Oh, oh, I wasn't even counting. <laughs> Oh, congratulations, Dan. You just won the uh, fantasy football of, of the week. Oh, my God. I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven, literally. Oh, my God. We're going to honorarily put you at the top of the power rankings. <laughs> no, but really, that's like that's like my first job ever in that employer when I die, saying, you know what? He really sucked at that job, but we're going to make him employee of the month. Put that, put no. that on your tombstone. Yeah, support. Right. I bet, I bet, I bet his family will get lots of residuals from that. All right, let's get to some emails at entitledweekend at gmail and of course, Mini Jace. Who else? Uh, I saved. I told you, I saved a couple of emails for this week because he had a lot of emails last week. So, first one up is: Which Patriot do you see not making the Hall of Fame besides Harrison and Seymour? That'll enrage you. Is it Hightower, Bruschi, Bruschi, or Edelman? For me, if Matthew Slater doesn't make the Hall of Fame, and there's there's a, a, a high chance that he will. But if he doesn't, and I could definitely see a possibility that he doesn't, then just burn that whole thing down and turn it into a Denny's. What about you guys? That was my answer. Uh, Matthew Slater. <laughs> it, it's... It is so obvious, and it is absolutely 100% the one that people will try to not get in. And it's the purest Belichick admittance to the Hall of Fame because it just preaches that emphasis on special teams. And it's like that's a huge component of what has made the Patriots sustainably great is that they play all of the phases well throughout. And when one falls, the other two are there to pick them up. And that's such a lost component on what's made the the enduring success of the Patriots occur. And if Matthew Slater doesn't get in, I swear I am driving to Canton and I'm going to look like that gif of somebody like crying at the wall of the White House. Like I'm just going to be <laughs> wailing at the doors, waiting, like screaming about Matthew Slater until they let him in. There's, there's a few that... Well, that will enrage me that when they don't get in, because there's, I mean, this is the, the thing here is it, it's the greatest dynasty that will ever happen in the sport. This, the Patriots of the last 20 years should absolutely flood Canton. They're not going to. Uh, Matthew Slater, I absolutely agree with. But uh, Devin McCourty, also, uh, Devin McCourty is a thousand percent. An NFL Hall of Famer. I don't. I don't even know what the numbers are. All I know is that from the day he was drafted, he was a cornerstone of a Belichick secondary for an over ten year run that just right now includes five Super Bowl appearances and one win. <clears throat> and that's. I. I mean, think about the revolving door of guys in the secondary that have been here since McCordy got drafted. And the only constant through all these years was that Devin McCordy was always on the back end. A hundred percent Hall of Famer. It, it has to stand for something. But he was the only one of the only constants. He was probably the only constant in Belichick secondary 
for like 12, 11, 12 years now. Like that, that has to stand for something at the end of the day, at least in my eyes. But, you know, what do I know? Dan, who's yours, uh, Hall of Famer? That will just piss you off if he doesn't make it. I th- I think, honestly, that the, the person I'm thinking of now, I mean, I think Hightower, obviously, but I think he's sort of a shoo-in. Um, I think um, Patrick Chung deserves a lot more respect, I think, in his career. I mean, I don't know if it's really going to piss me off, per se, but I do feel like he's one of those guys who um, through and through was, you know, actually now that I think about it, I think David Andrews is probably the guy at this point in, it, it goes under the radar. I mean, how many good teams he's been a part of and what a rock he was, um, you know, he picked up after the whole Brian Stork thing where we thought Brian Stork was going to be the guy at center. And when David Andrews came in, he really centered that O-line. And it, I think it, it always goes underrated. And now he's a leader. Uh, he's one of the guys that he's a enforcer. And he's always been – and center is just like one of those positions that gets so underrated. It's so – like people forget that you need a really good center. I mean, think of Peyton Manning with Jeff Saturday. And even like Brady before with Dan Copen. And just there's always – with every great quarterback, there's a good center, in my opinion. Um, and Dave Andrews is that guy. So, yeah, I'd say I'd actually get pissed about Dave Andrews. So, now, and, now you brought up David Andrews. Why the fuck? Why the fuck aren't Logan Mankins and Matt Light already in the Hall of Fame? That's exactly where I was going to go. Um, well, specific. Fuck is Logan Mankins not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Just, like pissed me off thinking about that. Now I need to go fight somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a it's a, the it's criminal. And again, we can go back to my closing thought from a couple weeks ago about Ron Borges. It's it, it's part of that. But in what world, in what dynasty, in the history of football, have the offensive linemen not gotten a wealth more consideration than they've received for the Patriots? Logan Mankins was probably the best left guard in football for the better part of a decade. The fact that he is not already in, let alone doesn't even get a sniff, is ridiculous. And I already went into Matt Light. Yeah. I just I just think offensive linemen are the most underappreciated position in football. Um, every other position has been glorified at some point or another, um, depending on what the trend is. But O-linemen yeah, they're a necessity. They always talk about how they're a necessity and how you need to have a good O-line. But why doesn't anyone ever give them their flowers when they're actually good and they're probably one of the best pieces to your team? I mean, the, this is why I love the, this Patriots team too, is the trench. We've talked about it time and time again, the trenches. This O-line is fantastic and on before, so many levels. I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, Dan, but before I lose this thought, we have to talk about Jakob Johnson, short, uh, just a short little blurb, because – He's he's yeah. Uh, James Devlin was was awesome, but Jakob Johnson has really uh, added a lot to that offensive line, as well as you know they haven't passed the ball yet. But he's just he's just a great rock down there, and I just love having him there. You also heard it here first, the before the pod before the Falcons game. I said he's having the most underrated season as a Patriots player, and it's true. He is a he went from being a okay fullback to being a thumper like he's a guy that you're like 
if you're the guy he's going to end up blocking, you're probably shitting your pants. Like he, he hits so hard. He, he clears the hole completely. I mean, you, it's one of those things that talk about cornerbacks taking out a wide receiver. Like if he's your assignment, you're probably done. Like that's the end of your effort on that, that play as a defense defensive player. So yeah, can't say enough good things. And that just adds to the whole protection element, the O-line we've talked about before about just running backs in general have to be good pass protection. I mean, that is integral to this offense. So it just keeps the machine running. Hashtag pro bowl vote. Jakob Johnson. Yep. Oh, and one more, uh, Honorable mention and very honorable mention. And I know people are going to say, what the hell is he talking about? Nikhil Harry. Yeah, that um, I'm not going to I'm not going to go into the uh, muff punt. I, I don't I really don't care because they won. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get into that. I but, to explain to Bert Breer why, why he's still on the team the other day. I thought people who are watching football. Right. Thank you for bringing bringing up Nikhil Harry Shack. But sorry, if, sorry if, if not for if not for that block, the, that first touchdown does not happen. So please, I, you're, you're gonna kill Harry. Uh, gripes are not are not welcome here because I'm not hearing it. Yeah. So with that on that note, um, oh, and one last uh, Vinny Jace email, uh, and this is a quickie. Who's better, Dan Marino or Philip Rivers? Um, better at whining? Uh, I'd say Philip Rivers. He has the gold medal on that. He has the WWE championship belt for whining, but a better quarterback? Uh, I'd say Dan Marino. Easy. And Philip Rivers wins for reproduction. That's it. <laughs> I, I was going to say better sperm, Philip Rivers. He's, he's better Nick, better he's football, a, Dan Marino. He, he's a Nick Cannon of the NFL. <laughs> no, numbers are inflated nowadays because of the new era. It, it's Dan Marino. For sure. Yeah, Philip Rivers is the Nick Cannon of the NFL. So there you go. Gosh um, darn it. <laughs> so time for final thoughts. And I'm going to start with you, Steve, because I don't think I've started with you since we started. So go ahead. Um, all right. My final thought is all you fucking bandwagon fucking fans who jumped ship last year, you jumped ship. In September, you are not fucking welcome back. We got the exodus of you fucking weirdos and you fucking losers. Stay out of here, you fucking front-running, fair-weather fucking pussies. I, I'm tired of it. I, I, you're not welcome back. The train has left the station. All right, I am not letting anyone else on. If you don't have a ticket, I am throwing you off the back of the fucking train. Oh, and Sean McDermott's a pussy. <laughs> oh, Sean McDermott. Uh, when, when you're compared to John Harbaugh, you're then that's not a good thing. Just letting you know. All right, uh, Dan, your turn. You raised your hand, so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, and, and it's no uh, surprise, that Albert Breer, little birdie, is on the best tear this week of the most terrible tweets. In all of the media, maybe all of Twitter, you know, just all of Twitter. I mean, there's been a lot of stupid things said this week, uh, especially by Bills fans. Uh, but he takes the cake. First, he had the the tweet about 
Um, hopefully Oxford, Michigan folks can enjoy a win of the Detroit Lions. Fascinating, you know, the fact that he then, he almost begrudgingly deleted it and then didn't even apologize, really just said my bad. Then he goes on to, I mean, he's on a tear. When I say a tear, he's he's on a roll. I, I can't even get over it. It's almost like Ben Volan's kind of like taking over his body, um, even though he'd probably grow a few inches if he actually did that. Um, and grow so, some boobs, too. It's true. And he'd have a, a Nerf haircut. So um, here's some things that I, I just I can't get over. So. He said, interesting how the COVID-19 absence of Cam Newton gave the Patriots coaches and players in August and August, use it as a, an adjective, an August glimpse at Mac Jones they might not have otherwise gotten. Uh, yeah, because the 15th pick overall was so buried on the depth chart and we would have just never known. Um, he goes on, and this is really all like the today. I'm not even mentioning all the other tweets from earlier in the week. And I think you brought up the great one about Nikhil Harry. Uh, the one from, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, where he said, oh, fascinating that there's only four starters for the Patriots uh, that are before the 2021 draft. Not mentioning great players like Kyle Duggar or people in COVID, you know, like him on a COVID protocol, people that are injured um, that were from all the other recent drafts. But we're going to keep that narrative that those drafts stink. So we're just going to continue to do that. And then the all-time one, in my opinion, that he went with today that just really riled me up was looking at the Texans playoff game from how long ago? What Nine years ago. Yeah. Nine years ago. Uh, they went into the game 11-1. and one. The Houston Texans arrived with varsity letterman jackets as grown men graduated from college or after school, whatever. You showed up as grown men with varsity letterman jackets and ties and, and khaki pants on. Uh, and he says, those jackets were badass and everyone would have recognized it if, the, if, if the big word of the week, the Texans hadn't gone out and gotten curb stomped after wearing them. No, they wouldn't. It wouldn't have happened. And it's not a what if. They lost. That move sucked. It made them look like juvenile Pop Warner players when they arrived. It did not make them look tough unless you have some affixation on like Biff from back to the future kind of lifestyle. You want it to be that bully with the, the varsity, you know, you're obsessed with varsity blues. I mean, we know Bert Breer is obsessed with Ohio state and he's always wanted to be that guy. Guy wakes up every night from a wet dream, dreaming he's the Rudy Buckeye basically with a letterman jacket on. And he goes off on this tangent. you got to be fucking kidding me. Let's not do revisionist history. That team blew. They knew it. Bill sniffed them out and they sucked and Brady owned. So there it is. Here you go. And Bill, you're up. Final thoughts. All right. All right. I got to follow an elite, elite rant like that. I love to see it. Um, so I'm, I've been the rage monster the entire time. I'm going to go back to being like fact-based Bill here and hit on putting some context into the seven game win streak, because we hear a lot about, Oh, good wins, bad wins, this and that. And we talk about that a lot on the pod. Let's put the numbers out there. About seven weeks, we're talking that it's going to encompass two full months that the Patriots have not lost. And they've gone from two and four to nine and four. So 32.5 points per game. 32.5 points per game with 
a rookie quarterback, allowing 10.4 points against in that streak in those seven games. Mac Jones has nine TDs and two interceptions. He's thrown four and a half to one TD INT ratio, and he's completed 69.4% of his passes. That's incredible. That's veteran numbers. That's exactly what you're looking for. Now, we've talked again about Bill Zig when others zag, and they've crafted game plans effectively to that. There have been games where they've had a lot of short fields because the defense has been stepping up. There's been long sustained drives because the offense has been the one picking up. They've increased their turnovers in certain games. They've had large defensive stands in certain games. The special teams prowess specifically in the Chargers game is something I'd make note of as a reason they won that game. On the road, at home, good weather, bad weather, whoever, whatever, wherever, whenever. The Patriots have been excellent across the board during this seven game stretch. And there is no reason to suspect that that is going to slow down because they are a team that is improving as weeks go along, as noted by the two and four start. We talked about the struggles. We talked about the penalties, the turnovers, the sloppy plays, the 12 men's on the field. You haven't seen that recently because they're tightening up. They're getting better, not worse. I'm gonna pivot and give my first two vouches on Entitled Weekend. No, no, no. Oh, yes. So my first vouch is actually inspired by the mothership where they talked a little bit about um, some Christmas specials. And I'm going to give a full vouch to a Garfield Christmas. It is one of the a Garfield Christmas is an excellent and underrated Christmas special. Full vouch for that. My second vouch is for our takes from last week. Let's hit on a couple of highlights here. We talked about Bill zigging when everyone zags. What was this week? But exactly that what was that game plan but doing something no one else would do zagging when others zig how about that how about steve with the most satisfying regular season victory comment right at the outset of last week's podcast is this not one of the most satisfying victories in the in regular season history for the patriots i imagine so coach of the year talk cliff kingsbury stole my (laughs) stole my take on that so love to see that offensive line in the on way you impact the broken Buffalo media and fans after that game. And last, but certainly not least, based on that game plan, make football thick again. Full vote, vouch for our takes last week. We fucking nailed it. Yep, we hit it. Everything. And <laughs> that's why you should be listening to Entitled Podcast Network. Don't, don't listen to other podcasts who have big-headed hosts on there if you know what I'm talking about. Um, All right, so my final thoughts. um, First of all, uh, I want to say my condolences go out to Damaris Thomas's family and his loved ones. Uh, We lost him last night. Uh, I don't want to get into the specifics, but uh, he he wasn't a patriot very long, but he 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 definitely made an impact in the NFL, and so he's a, he will be missed, and that that's that's a uh, it's a very sad loss in the NFL uh, circles. With that being said, there were there was a tweet this after, this morning that absolutely caught that caught my eye first of all, and just really pissed me off, and it showed just how much of a, of a look at me society that we've turned into. This guy named Dave Richard, um, apparently he works for CBS. He's a fantasy football analyst. And I put that in quotation marks. Um, he comes out with a tweet and 
basically has a mock-up of, you know how in fantasy you have these mock-ups of who's number one, number two, number three, who's the pick, who's going to be this, who's going to be that. It says, rest easy, Demarius Thomas, a true fantasy football legend. For today, he's number one. And then there was a mock-up of Demarius Thomas as a Jet, and he's number one. Now, <laughs> I had to take a step back because it was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty fucking stupid. And then I I even quote tweeted and I said, the dude shut off his comments because somewhere in that brain he realizes how shitty this tweet is, but clearly it's not shitty enough to delete. And then uh, our, our, our buddy, uh, Robert Alvarez from PatsFans.com, he quote tweets it and he gets a lot of heat from the quote unquote, and I'm putting this in quotes, fantasy football community, as if that's a thing that exists. Apparently, there's communities all around. I guess we need to make the uh, the microphone community for how many people have microphones when they use it during Zoom calls. So basically, all you had all these people going in into this thing saying, oh, my God, what's the problem with this tweet? Oh, he's just honoring to the Marius Thomas. He's just putting it in the best way he know how. Well, if that's the best way he knew how, that's pretty fucking stupid. And... If, if, if this is the way society, look, I love football. I love football. I love it. It's beautiful. It's a simple game. But at the end of the day, all these analytical websites and statistical websites and fantasy football websites do nothing but, but take away from what the game is. And that's exactly what this tweet did for this situation. You're taking away from what you should be talking about, which is Demarius Thomas and making it a fantasy thing instead of a human thing. A family's just lost a, a human being, and that should what I don't want to be sounding preachy on this football podcast, but it just it really irked my soul to see that there were so many people who didn't understand that you know he was a damn good football player, and that's what we should be focused on. So, you know, but again, enjoy your fantasy football. And, and by the way, I'm not I'm not an old curmudgeon, right? I'm 32 years old, so I'm 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 of that age that plays fantasy football. But it just sickens me that there are so many people out there who feel that way. All right, on that happy note, <laughs> um, we're gonna say goodbye to you for now. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be talking about those Colts and yet another big game of 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 the what 11 big straight big games that the Patriots have had. So. That'll be for next week. But until then, you can find us on Twitter at Entitled Weekend. Again, our email address is entitledweekend at gmail.com. You can find Steve at Reisner underscore Steven. You can find Bill at TheFib0624. You can find Dan at Junon Sack Lunch. You can find me at Atomic Dog 5150. And until next time, turn off your radio slugs. Coach, the game was played predominantly in the teens. Is that a game, a style that you're comfortable playing? What are you talking about? Well, not scoring a lot of points, not high-flying offense necessarily, more low-scoring, grind it out. Is that a style you like, the team prefers? Well, we prefer to win.